Welcome to the Ty and Rye, the Finance Guys podcast, covering weekly investment news, important financial topics, and expert interviews. We want to help you become more knowledgeable about the financial world around you. This is not an offer to sell you anything, and remember, past performance doesn't indicate future results. Now your hosts, Ty Hansen and Ryan Robertson. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Ty and Rye, the Finance Guys podcast. What's up, Ty? Podcast. Hey, it's official. I think I have said this on a few episodes now, so people may uh-huh. have gone to the official. website. And yeah, the website is officially up and running. Go Ooh. check it out. Ty and Rye. Ty and rye.com. Yeah. T-Y-A-N-D-R-Y.com. Mm-hmm. Check us out. Yeah. Oh, any updates, new episodes? Oh. Yeah. All the cool kids go to our website. All the good fun stuff is there. We've been talking about that it for a little bit, and it's ready to go, finally. It's good to go. Yeah, and today we're going to dive into, I think, a lot of people's favorite subject. Seems like a lot of people yeah. like to talk about real estate. Yep. Especially now. So crazy right now. Real estate. And uh, we've got a couple, of, uh, a couple of different avenues we want to go down talking about real estate. A couple right. of different twists we want to put on it, including right. talk a little bit about the current market, too. That'll come a little bit later. Absolutely. But we always want to talk about it in an investment form because as advisors, you and I, we're both advisors. Sometimes. We, some of the times. Uh, uh, it depends on the day. It's our day job. Yeah. At night, Ty is a you're really, jazz musician. You're really a musician. Yep. Ty can really play the saxophone. You're, you're a musician that, 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 um, that moonlights as an advisor. That's right. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. That is a that is a better way to put yeah. it. Yeah, but as advisors, we like to talk about we do asset classes and how to utilize we do. those. Yeah, and I think that we put a twist on it that may not be common. Oh yeah, we we're we're a little abnormal the way we do it, and it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and and kind of this whole big picture as to why, right? Um. It's so funny how often I'll sit with and talk with clients and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm well diversified. And I look at their portfolio. It's like, okay, you've got large cap and small cap, a little bit of foreign stock and some bonds Mm -hmm. or some REIT stock. Okay, you're diversified. You're you're not diversified. You're really not. Uh, in fact, I, 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 there was an art. I, I've got to find the data. I've got it, it actually printed in a box in my house, but I'll actually have to go get the source. And there was a study done about kind of the correlation of REIT stock, publicly traded REIT, which for people who don't know, REIT is Real Estate Investment Trust, R-E-I-T, REIT, like a mutual fund of real estate. And a publicly traded REIT is more, is more related to a common stock than it is owning real estate. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it, anytime you get on those public markets, there's just an yeah. influence that occurs. You yep. just can't avoid Market it. trends, ex- exactly. Global macro things affect it. So, but the whole point of why real true, true blue real estate is, it's, uh, it's this concept of umbrellas and sunscreen. Okay. Right? Okay. Because then you don't care. You don't care what the weather is because you're selling something. Yeah. Right. Oh. So we, we don't care mm. what's happening in the market. If we've got the right ass, you, what did you say? Assets, asset assets, cl- right? Asset classes, classes. You have different, you have the right asset classes. 
um, you're in good shape. And the interesting thing about real estate and or stocks is depending on who you talk to, either an advisor doesn't have very much exposure to real estate. So they're like, nah, you should just do more stocks and bonds because mm-hmm. that's their vested interest. Real estate related you talk to, stocks. Yeah. Or you talk to somebody who is a real estate agent or a broker or they're in some sort of a big, huge, we call them um, a syndication, right? A syndication is a huge real estate deal. And they will tell you why real estate's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Guess what? They're not both wrong and they're not both right. It's really having a good mix of both. Yeah. So yeah. that's why we want to talk about it. Yeah. And two terms I think that are helpful. Uh, diversification, really what that means. And kind of along the same lines, non-correlated. You know what? I posed one of the smartest human beings. Well, I don't know if he's one of the smartest human beings, but a very, very smart human being. Albert Einstein. I, got, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Not Albert Einstein. Oh, well, um, I mean, he's up there. Um, Robert Dubell, Dubell. I can't even. I don't remember how he says his last name. He was, anyways. He was a professor at the University of Utah. I think he's still there. Oh, you've already told one us. of my most. Yeah, you've talked. One about of him. my most favorite professors of my master's undergraduate. Awesome guy. Mm-hmm. And I literally posed that exact question. I'm like, how can you achieve true non-correlation? And he laughed at me. He says it's not possible. I believe it's possible. Ooh. But again, he's kind of coming from this world of like stocks and bonds. And that was his whole point. It's like, eh, you can't He's really have something. Approaching it from a traditional advising side, yes. is that really what Tradi- it is? Yep, yeah. exactly. Whereas you and I, I think, have got a, a lot different uh, viewpoint on things because we both have been, we've done a ton in real estate our whole careers. Yeah. So. Yeah, in fact, uh, you know, one of the, the basis for what we operate in is really dealing with self-directing uh, IRAs as part of our business and part of just really talking about how to use them because uh, there's some ins and outs of it that are important and uh, kind of want to get into that. We'll talk a little bit about how that real estate works in your IRA. We talked about this, uh, I think, episode two and three. Talked about self-directing your IRA, kind of how you do that, what are some of the options for it. So we're going to throw out a couple of terms that I think are helpful in using your IRA, because especially even today, there's still people that may not truly understand. You can use a retirement a retirement account to buy real estate. Right. Yeah. They're still, I mean, and think, think, they don't know. Think about this too. Aside from your primary residence, right, your home, if you were to sit down with a thousand Americans across the country, some people from Delaware, some people from West Virginia, some people from Iowa, some people from Arizona, mm-hmm. California, True, truly diversified. North Dakota and South Dakota, if you asked people from all over those places, or you looked at their finances and their, their investments and their retirement, if you take out their primary residence, the next biggest chunk of change they have is their retirement, 401k or IRA. And I would, I would say that, what, probably less than five, 10 or five, five, maybe even 5%, less than 5%. Uh, I don't know what that number is, so don't quote me on it. Ha- are, have 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 used those IRA four hundred one k retirement dollars for real estate? People just don't realize they can do it. The retirement industry is massive, and such a small, small percentage is in this self directed space. So, yeah, and I, dude, I even had an advisor once. I had an advisor once tell the client because the client was moving money to us. That other advisor wasn't too happy about it. And so he was throwing everything he could out to try and get the client not to, you know, give move her money. I'm like, God, whatever, I don't care. Keep your money there. That's whatever you want to do. Uh, 
and he told the client that it was illegal to buy real estate. You can't buy real estate in your 401k. It's illegal. Illegal. Like he tried to make her think she was going to go to prison for doing this. Prison? Wow. And That's so scary. I was like, mm, well, look, let me show you on the IRS's website where it literally shows that you can do this. So you can do it. So again, if this is the biggest chunk of change that most people have, and all that do all that is is sitting in one mutual fund, like you're not diversified. You do not have asset classes. You have one asset class. You do not have multiple asset classes. So so and that's kind of the other thing when we start to talk about this idea of getting into say a self-directed IRA and how to use it for for real estate because that's going to create the true diversification and it's going to uncorrelate all the things that you've got. One more uh, strength. Well, yeah, think about this. I mean, we, we talked about last podcast about, you know, five really big mistakes and how can you fix them? I mean, it all comes down to cash. How can I get cash, right? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, you, you, you may, if you go all in on real estate, 100% in on real estate, which some people do. And again, it, it, we're not saying one thing is good, one thing is bad. It's just understanding how to blend everything, right? People that have 100% real estate, they have cash flow, but they have no access. It's hard to get your actual cash. If you wanted to take cash, you some else, that's really hard. If you don't have any real estate, you don't have ongoing cash flow, right? So you get what you, so yeah, so that's what's cool here is if you build it inside the IRA and you build it right, you can create a cash flow just like a pension, just like social security that can be really really powerful. So. Yeah. And obviously there's a whole bunch of strategies that we're not going to get into, but you know, you can you can I go I probably will. I'll try to. What? Talk about all the strategies. Yeah. Every you, single you one just of them. need to you, you need to bring me back. I do. But then but so in bringing up this idea of using your IRA for real estate, there's a couple of really important terms that we'll talk about to just kind of start the conversation. We're not going to go into it just complete depth, but this kind of gets everybody thinking about it. One thing is talking how about how to do is, it right. Yeah, how to do it right. One of the important things is checkbook control because all IRAs have to have a custodian, this third party, trustee, custodial. They're making sure that everything is running smooth, but they also are a hindrance if they have to be a part of everything that you do in real estate. It's a problem. Cost, not a cost effective, and it's time cons- no. consuming. Well, and, and, and we, again, we, we're, we're, we're rehashing a few things from earlier episodes. So, you know, if, you've, if, if you're one of the five people that listens to all the episodes, sorry, we're repeating ourselves. But for the 800 people who are new and listening to this episode, so there are two different, there are two different kinds of custodians, right? And one type of custodian, the, kind of the fidelities of the world, they're uh, relatively speaking, they're fast, they're efficient, they have better user interface, all that stuff. Self-directed custodians, ugh, it's not. It's a little bit like... It's a little bit like the Western United States the, back a long no, time ago. The West, the Wild West. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a little bit like saying. the Wild West. Yep. So, yeah, so... Um, uh, but, and, and so, yeah, so, so it's like if, if you have... If the, if the control goes through the custodian and you want to do a deal, you're talking we, like weeks, if not months, to get a deal done. And, and, and this, we're going to talk about the current market in just a minute. If you're in this current market and you need weeks, if not months, to get a deal done, nope, you're not getting the deal. So, so yeah, so checkbook control is really powerful. Yeah, and checkbook control, all it means is that you actually are setting up an entity of some sort that is, that is separate from the custodian, and then your investment money in your IRA is being deposited into that bank account that is essentially an extension of your IRA. 
essentially. But you have checkbook control, meaning it's just like a checking account like you'd have personally. Right. Yep, like the Bank of Ryan. If we all bank at the Bank of Ryan. So here's the thing. Um, I want to. There's a really key point here that I want people to understand because there's differing opinions on this, right? And, and, and it's going to get to a point here. We're going to talk here in just a second about making sure you use this self-directed IRA the right way. Now, obviously, we advocate as advisors. We, you know, we, we have a self-interest, a, a self-vested interest in, in having people work with us because that's what our business is. But I want to really, really stress, and we're going to talk a little bit for a second about making sure you do these IRAs the right way because you don't want to screw yourself up. We're not CPAs. We're not giving tax advice here. But you can screw things up from a tax standpoint inside of your self-directed IRA. So, so, so be judicious, use caution, make sure you do these things the right way. Um, one thing I will say, and so this is this differing opinion, is some of these custodians say you have to. Again, in fact, I've even had clients say, this custodian said it, I have to do it this way or I'm, I'm, the IRS is going to get mad at me. It's like, no, you don't have to have a custodian be the trustee. They don't have to. They do not have to be the custodian or the, sorry, the trustee. They don't have to be the one signing off everything. They, sometimes they want to be because that helps alleviate some of the risks of you making a mistake. Okay, so that's a huge difference here. When we're talking checkbook control, we're of the mindset that we're going to put a little bit more power or advocate for a little bit more power in your hand because A, it's less expen- way less expensive, B, way more efficient, and C, you, you're the one that's manning the ship. And that's what this checkbook control is, is it literally is putting that control into your hands. But I want to make that point really, really, really clear that you you can make more mistakes if you do it this way. Yeah, you, you, you're you given more freedom, but you are given that freedom that you may harm yourself. So make sure you and know what we you're doing. we don't want people to harm themselves. No, we don't. We do not want that to happen. That's a bad thing. So, when, so again, we say checkbook control, basically just meaning that you are then much more in control and free to do to invest the way you want with that money in the IRA, but a lot more responsibility and accountability. And and again, to that point too, where because we're talking pros and cons here, if you don't have checkbook control and you want to do a deal, that's a transaction when you put money into the account, when you transfer from another area. It's a transaction when you want to put an earnest money deposit down on a real estate deal. It's a transaction when you wire money from escrow into escrow to close. It's a transaction when you want to pay the insurance company. Every time you're doing a transaction, most companies are paying, you're paying about 50 to 100 bucks to do that every time. Checkbook control, and if, if, if I'm, if I'm going to uh, advertise for ourselves here, if you're doing a checkbook control with us, most likely there, because there's a way we can structure these, so there's, no, there's not a single fee for that transaction. So you do them for free, right? But, but, but even if you're not with us, if you're with some other custodian, and you have checkbook control, yeah, they may charge you a one-time fee to move it from your IRA into the actual entity's checking account. But the nice point is if you've moved it once, then there's no more fees because now you're at your banking level, right? You're not at the custodial level where money's flowing out. You're at the, at the, at the checking account level, right? So checkbook control is really good. It saves you a ton of money. Yeah, and there's you know, a couple of things that we can throw into that as far as you know, well, what would get you in trouble. And there's just a couple of ideas that uh, you really need to understand. And these, these two ideas sort of uh, go out and cover many, many things with it. Biggest one is commingling. And we're talking about you cannot commingle personal money, personal assets, personal credit with the money that is in the retirement account. 
They cannot mix. Call it an arm's length transaction. You can't get an immediate benefit from the IRA. Those kind of things. Yep, and it's and and not only is it you, the IRS defines it as a, any kind of a linear relationship can't come. Yeah, that's the other part. Yep, that's parents, spouse, children. So your your brother, you can you could go in on a deal with your brother. Do you have a brother? You've got a brother, don't yep. you? I got two. What's his name? Eric. What's one of your brothers. Eric name? and Greg. Okay, well, say Greg. So so Ryan, Eric, and Greg go in on a deal together. Ryan could buy the property with his IRA or solo 401k. Eric can put his personal money in there from his checking account, and Greg can put money in from his business. That's fine. But Ryan and... Uh, Jenny? What's your boy's name? I wasn't going to say Jenny. I was going to say boy's. Joey. Ryan and Joey, Joey is Ryan's son, they cannot do that. Joey cannot put personal money in there, and Ryan put 401k monies in there. Can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yep. Yeah, because I I don't have any use for my son's fifty dollars. It just doesn't. work. No, yeah, he's kind of a he's kind of like a dead weight anyway. So don't put him in that deal with you. Yeah. So, so that idea of commingling and then prohibited persons is kind of what we're talking about. And there's going to be other provisions like sweat equity is kind of one. You know, you can't do the work on a rehab yourself. You have to pay somebody else to do it. Kind of idea. Then there's also there's also this idea of UBIT. Unintended business income tax, UBIT, UBIT. That is where you really weren't trying to be a business, but you're a business. The IRS looks at this and says, eh, no, 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 you're running a business. 40% tax. That's it. Nope. Again, 40%. That's kind of a big deal. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the details on this because this is kind of, there's, there's a lot to unpack here and we really want to stay focused on real estate. If you're flipping 15, 20 properties a year inside your IRA, mm, you might get hit with UBIT. Because you're running a business, you're not. This isn't just investing, right? It's not a passive so, investment account. Not passive investing. Yep. So, so again, there's these things you need to be cautious of, right? So, so and it, it, that's also why it would be really important to make sure that you most likely have somebody that you may be able to call upon, an investment advisor per se, who understands these things, and ask them those questions every time you're ready to do a deal. What do you think? Is this structured correctly? Because uh, it's very hard to unwind real estate deals, which is the reason why you want to start off on the right foot. Hard to unwind those sometimes if you get trapped into one that doesn't work. The other thing too, you bring up a really, really good point. It's not here on our. It's not here on our little list we want to talk through, but I, it's a great point I want to bring up. Is, um, and this is a pitfall because this whole thing is about real estate, right? How can we make more money with real estate and diversify? It can be a real pitfall in the IRA, solo four hundred one k to have real estate for liquidity. And what I mean by that is, so once you're over 72, right, you need to take re- required minimum distributions. If you don't have liquid cash or rent revenues coming off that property, you can't really take an RMD. And that's a lot of penalties you got to pay. That's a huge penalty. So be careful. Or if, if you take a huge chunk of money and invest it into real estate in your IRA and then all of a sudden you need to put another 20 grand in to fix the roof, you can't just take 20 grand out of your checking account and put it in there because there's restrictions for new monies. So be, so you, you and, and the nice thing is most of the people you and I work with, it's easy to work through that, right? Just don't put all your money in there. And if we've got other assets, we just need to know that that might be, that might have to roll in, right? So Again, that's the whole point with this is is liquidity becomes even more 
strategic in how we build these things. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So you talk about that 72, you know, uh, RMD. That also goes for inherited IRAs. If you've inherited an IRA from your from your parents, same thing. You've got to take money out. So just keep those in mind. Again, having somebody working with you would be helpful. Well, the, the cool thing about this too is... And, and I'm not trying to like, I mean, we are kind of self-grandizing here. We are. We're That's not trying exactly to make ourselves look doing. really cool. But here's the thing is, is this is what I love about what we're, what we're doing and what I love about this podcast is we want to talk about things that we, if you take a step back, I mean, everybody wants to be all cool and invest in, in our, in crypto, or they want to be real cool and, and invest in um, uh, AMC and all these, you know, all these different companies that are kind of the hip Reddit thing. It's like, you want to do something cool that nobody else is really doing Buy real estate in your IRA, right? And do it the right way. It's, it's cool. It's, it's, it's such a powerful tool. I love this thing. Right. I mean, well, it's the same idea. We, yeah. We talk about Peter Thiel. Uh, yeah. How did he invest in Facebook through his Roth IRA, by the way, which is a whole different story, but he did it as a self-directed. He can he could not do that through other, other places. What is that? What does that one guy say to, to uh, Marty McFly when he goes over the water on his hoverboard? You have to have what, Ryan? I have no idea. What is You've it? got to have power. Oh. Right when he's going over the water in yeah. Back to the Future Two, yeah. and he gets stuck and he can't go. Yeah, I remember he's like, that. You've got to have power. Oh. <laughs> you don't remember that one? You don't remember that line, do you? I don't. That's, that's what the self-directed funny. IRA and solo. Uh, I, uh, that's why the self-directed IRA and solo four hundred one k. They give you power. Yeah, they really right? do. And then Biff, and then Biff or Griff, the younger Griff, he pulls Biff. out the the pit bull. He gets the pit bull that has the the little the little uh, rocket boosters on the back of his. Oh, uh, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, no, I remember yeah. that. So we're the we're the pit bull version of IRA investing. Yeah. that's what we are. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, that was a random. Really tangent. good. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay, really good. Bring it back. Everybody's yeah. gonna remember that. Uh, I only want to bring up one more thing too. Because uh, everybody asks about loans, and it's really important to understand this idea of loans in an IRA. Because you can do it, yeah, but it's got to be screwed a up. Type. Yeah, people screw this up all the time. Yep. So it's the idea of they take a down payment from their IRA self-directed account, but then they get the loan in their name. So it's very important that you don't do that because that's commingling. Yeah. What have you? Yeah. How, how have you explained to me how you've commingled in that instance? I didn't put any of my money in there. I didn't put personal cash in there. How did I commingle? Yeah, yeah, you're commingling your own personal credit. How? No, I'm asking you. How? How? How is that? How did I commingle? Well, you just commingled your own personal entity, social security number. You're the you're the guarantor. You're signing your name as the guarantor. So therefore, you're the one that's responsible for paying the loan back. Not your IRA. Not your IRA. So yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. So it's almost like you when when you're in the self directed world buying real estate. You need to think of your your 401k, your IRA, as a completely different person, even though you own it. I know it sounds silly, from from you. And nothing that is related to you, the individual, Ryan Robertson, the individual, Joseph? Joseph. Joe or Josh? Joseph. Joseph. Joseph Robertson, yep. nope, the individual. Not Josh. Josh. Joseph. <laughs> different prophet. Steve. Steve. Um, they cannot do the deal with Ryan Robertson 401k two separate people got to keep them separate Mm -hmm. so the the name is non-recourse loan 
And uh, do you just think of it in terms of a mortgage you get on your home is fully recourse, meaning the bank can go after anything and everything related to you to get paid back? Yep. It's what's called in the business. In the biz. A re- in the biz. It's a recourse carve out, meaning we go into all the documents and they take out certain pieces of the covenants of, the, of what you're both agreeing to, the lender and the lendee. And that carve out says all we can go after is the asset. And, and, and if they, sometimes banks will require you have a reserve in the IRA account. Those are the only things they can go after. Nothing else. So, you know, you can find non-recourse lenders, but you can imagine the terms and conditions are going to be different, maybe harder to harder to match, potentially, but they'll work uh, if you've got the right kind of deal. So, but that's the easiest thing to do. You talk to somebody that you want to get a loan, you say, I need a non-recourse loan, and that'll set you in the right direction. Absolutely. Just don't. And that's cool. I mean, think about that. I I mean, obviously, we don't want to dive into this, because I want to get this last part about talking about the current markets, but... Uh, um, so, I mean, I don't want to talk about the pros and cons of the strategy, but again, this idea of leveraging your money, see, leveraging to me is really, it, it's scary sometimes, especially when like people leverage stocks with, um, uh, why am I, why am I blanking on the, on margin, uh, uh, margin on margin. Yeah. On margin. Or they'll buy options on margin. It's like, wow, you can get really extended. That's scary stuff. It's still risky with real estate, but at the same time, it's like we're all used to this concept of leveraging our home, right? Where, look, if I can borrow money at 3 or 4% and that property is really cash flowing well, again, it's still risky. So I don't want to dive into all the, the pros and cons of this, but what you're talking about with a non-recourse loan, it's like take your 150000 in your 401k. Let's say, let's say you have a million dollars in your 401k. You don't have to tie... 500,000 of that up into one property, right? So, so, your, so your portfolio is not 50-50, you know, real estate and equity. You could maybe say take 250,000. So you're only taking 25% of your, of your nest egg. Go over here, get a loan on a property for another 25,000 or 250,000, right? So you've leveraged up and, you know, I mean, a property with a 50% loan to value is actually in pretty good shape. That's pretty low risk if it's cash flowing well. Anyway, you get my point, right? So this whole idea of non-recourse, it's it's cool how you can leverage up and use other people's monies to help improve your your returns in your overall portfolio. Yeah. So, well, since you were so excited about getting to the new market, I'm so excited. Yeah. Let's let's go. let's go there. Um, current market conditions. Uh, Crazy. Let's just say we haven't seen this since 2005. What? It's five, six, seven, yeah, five, six, seven. Yeah. Different conditions though. But man, some of these increases year over year are like, are, are insane. I uh, so I still do a lot with real estate, right? I actually still do some lending. Um, I still have a lot of connections with a lot of real estate agents. I mean, I see deals all the time, right? And there are people, I kid you not, that will make offers, and there will be. 30 or 40 people in line with offers on that property. Oh, right. Sure. So you literally, you literally, it's like, so 45 people. And so it's like, and then the price, and then and like the deal ends up going for 60,000 above price. Oh, I, I mean, people aren't, they're not even waiting longer than like, I mean, they're, they're accepting offers same day. Like people are coming in and saying, like, I'll, I'll, don't even have to worry about cleaning it. 
You don't have to do it as well. We'll do it without an inspection. I don't think that that, I mean, even back in, oh, do you want to leave? You leave your dirty, smelly dog in the house. I'll take the dog. I'll take yeah, over the dog. It is insane. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of problems here. Obviously, we talked about this earlier with inflation, uh, just privately. We were talking about that. This supply problem, right? Because uh, my, my wife works a lot with a builder down here in southern Utah. And just getting things in, tile, sinks, oh, wood, wood, plywood, yeah. wafer board, all of those things are just taking so long. It's constricting the ability to build homes. And then you start to throw on top of that things like foreclosure moratoriums, right? Yeah, Banks huge. can't even yep. foreclose on homes. We're just tightening and tightening and tightening the supply of homes. And it's just thrown this frenzy into it over the last year and some. Oh, it's so crazy. It's out, out of sorts. Oh, no, no totally. And, and, and I love that you've got a question here. I don't want to get too far ahead, but, you know, is this a bubble, right? Is this 2008 all over again? And let's talk about that in a second. But it's like, um, like you're, you're right. Like this is we're in a really kind of precarious position with real estate markets. Right now, I, I want to take a step back before we talk about it being a bubble or not and, and really kind of say, look. Like any other investment we talk about, the the timing of the investment, if you're trying to time an investment, you've got to ask yourself, is it FOMO, right? Are you, are you, is there something you're trying to time because you just go back, oh my gosh, go back to the crazy. miniseries, yep. Go back to the miniseries. Are, is it FOMO? Are you, because I don't care, and I've, so, I've said this to hundreds if not thousands of people, I don't care what interest rates are. I don't care what property values are. I don't care if the market's going up or down. I don't care if it's going to pop. If 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 it makes sense in the portfolio, it makes sense. Right? Now, now is it harder to find deals today that make sense versus after the market crashed in 08? Absolutely. It's way harder. Um I would say that in 2010, 11, 12, I would see if if 10, 15 deals cuz a lot of people bring deals like clients, "Hey, should I do this deal?" or real estate agents, "Hey, Ty, do you want to buy in on this deal?" I probably I probably see 10, 15 deals a week. Um, I would say that six or seven of those deals looked pretty good in 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Today, maybe one in 20 looks okay. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy it. You can still get deals today. You can still flip properties. I have, in fact, I've got a, one of our clients we'll have on the podcast here soon. Um, over the last six months, he flipped a property from about, he bought it for like two, roughly 290 and he's selling it for 650 inside of his IRA. Pretty crazy. So, but again, um, the concept of investing long-term in real estate is very powerful. And so maybe you hold off for the next six months to a year and maybe some property values come down and you buy a little bit less expensive, or maybe you don't. My point is, is like, let's talk about the bubble here in just a second. But my point is, is Putting real estate into your portfolio is a long-term commitment. Yeah, it's not something be. that we're trying to get in and out of. Should be, yeah. So. Should be a long-term commitment because the IRA just and the restrictions of it just make it better fit for something you're going to have long-term. Long-term rental, maybe you're buying land you're going to hold on for a while, maybe it's commercial property, something like that. Exactly. So, so tell us, everybody wants to know, Ty, is this a bubble? Is this a bubble? Tell me um, right now. I want to know if it's a bubble. Yes or no? My opinion, no, it is not a bubble. Ooh. And my opinion is 
do I think that values will have a potential? I guess, okay, if, if losing any percentage of value is the bubble, um, then yeah, I guess it is a bubble. So I think it could, tech, yes, the markets could technically drop. And I think we will see either slow down in appreciation and or supply, uh, the supply-demand issue. Um, maybe it drops. Maybe home prices drop 5 or 10% in value. I don't think, when I think bubble, I think 2008, right? Like where, where all of a sudden you lose 30, 40, 50% overnight. No, it's not, that's not what it is, right? Um, what I honestly truly think is going to happen is that the supply restriction, because that's part of the problem, that's already starting to slowly work its way back yep. where it's okay. Yep. New contracts down in June. Yep. Um, that's going to change. That'll that the 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 supply issues are going to go away. So that's going to help it not be so crazy. Um, the uh, we're going to see interest rates go up, and we're going to see inflation kind of because there's still the fear of inflation that will slow things down. So. So what does that do that, that stops this crazy spike, but things start to level off? Maybe they dip a little bit, but things are going to normalize a little bit more. That, that's my opinion. I think that's what the market's doing. Because there's true, there's, there is, honestly, there truly is demand. And if you're going to have a problem where a market's out of whack, supply and demand, in my opinion, is probably the better problem to have versus what we saw in 2006, 2007, 2008, yeah. right? So. Yeah, and you feel that you, you figure the underwriting process on the mortgage side very different from 2006 time period. Um, and so you feel as though people are actually buying homes they can afford. Now, granted, what will happen is you will get a shakeup in the market somewhere, somehow. And those that overextended, those that were not quite as financially secure, there's going to be some of those that fall into that category. So yeah, there could be some soft. Yeah, but those that are sitting on half a million, million dollars in their IRA, and they build a self-directed IRA over the next three years, they may pick properties up at a, at a discount. Now, one thing that we, we shouldn't just kind of poo-poo here is- we should or shouldn't? More to, should not. Okay. Because like, I'm being a little bit cavalier in saying I don't think there's a bubble. Um, I would say that if I have any fear, it's, it's the fear for real estate is in that the rental moratorium and the uh, mortgage moratorium, right? Where technically the, 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 the rental moratorium where people that are renting can't be kicked out because of COVID, right? That just barely ended. But even then we're already seeing that it's changed. The moratorium's already changed where if it's a, because of the Delta variant, if you're in an area that's deemed higher, uh, higher what do they call it? Yeah, higher, well, high and higher surge areas. Yeah, yeah, surge the moratorium is still in effect. And so so there's that. And then you've got the mortgage moratorium, which is scheduled to end in two months. That's kind of iffy. And that's basically where it's like, okay, people who own investment properties, they've been able to skip mortgage payments and kick, kick those. Not that they're just not paying those. They're going to the back end of the loan term, right? So your, your loan gets kicked. So that may have a bigger impact. Now, one thing I will say, though, is I, I did see some data the other day uh, and it was comparing 08 foreclosure projections to these foreclosure projections. And we're not even 10, we're, I think we're like 6% of the number of people that have gone into forbearance, right? They're not paying their mortgages, like 6% of what it was in 2000. Yeah. And that's where, so, that's where I think, you know, fine. worst case scenario. Not systemic. Yeah. Worst case scenario, we're probably looking at that 5 to 10% softening, maybe. And depending on the area too. I mean, where I live, where you live, 
that's uh, prices really shot up possible other areas may not experience that but yeah i tend to agree i, I don't think that the bubble it feels like the fundamentals underneath it are much stabler than what we saw back you know 20 years ago 15 oh, years absolutely ago. absolutely so and again this this kind of keep we keep we're coming full circle we're we're just in our discussion right now we're, we're talking you're seeing that there's pros and cons with real estate right Right. Yeah, yeah. There's pros and cons with crypto. There's pros and cons with stock. There's pros and cons with everything. The point is, as you start to mend all these pieces together the right way, some pros will offset other cons and vice versa. Right. So, so again, if you you could, I, I am I would I would a thousand percent tell you, without any reservations, a client could still pick up a property today, and it would be an extremely awesome value add to their overall retirement portfolio yep. if, without it without if a they've doubt, got that question. long range goal to it yeah and that's my point and the point is and this is again a, a selfish plug for the two of us it's it's understanding if it is the right time to put it in or if it is the right property to put in right and i mean i and the reason i'm the reason i'm i'm, I'm fine in saying that the reason I'm so adamant in saying that is I looked over uh, like a property projection. We call it a pro forma for a client last week. I built, I helped him kind of build this forecast out. It looks, it's a sexy project. Looks great. And it's technically, they're technically buying it above market price. Still makes sense. Still paper's great. I'm like, yeah, man, this is awesome. Let's do it. And he currently holds 0% in his overall portfolio in any kind of real estate. And when this is done, he'll have about 20% of his portfolio. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. It's a really good. So, yeah, awesome, great movement, and he's doing that here. in in he'll close escrow probably August or September in twenty twenty one when everybody's like the real estate market's crazy. No, he's fine. Yeah, so that's for everybody. Think about that. Look at real estate. Set up a self directed IRA. Find someone who can help you. You know, somebody, and uh, look to really diversify and uncorrelate your portfolio. That's the best way to do it. That's right. Huh. Not one size fits all. Nope. It's always been true. It's right. always been true. This is the real estate is the double XL of the real estate portfolio. <laughs> Whereas crypto is the, is the women's small yeah. in the, in the portfolio. That's right. That's right. So. Well, awesome. I think that's it. I, I don't have anything else to say. You, um, I no, I think we're good. I think we're really good. Oh. Real estate. Way to, way to go, what's Ty. What's for dinner? Yeah. Hey, market mini coming up again. I hope everybody sees those little five minute yeah. blip. Try to do it every week. Ty's been on his own for the last little bit. I've been MIA on those. He's been doing a that's okay. Doing a great job on them. We need you back on there though because I'm kind of boring and everybody's like, okay, true. Bring the bring the sizzle. Yes, My, the sizzle. The sizzle. You're the sizzle, buddy. Listen to those, so. tiedry.com. That's still up. That's up and going now. So you can see all the podcasts on there. And yep. uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Sound good? Oh, awesome. Sounds Couldn't good. have said it better myself. Thanks for your time, Ty. We'll see everybody next right, week. Brother. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ty and Rye, the Finance Guys podcast today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit subscribe. That way you won't miss any future episodes. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Ty and Rye Podcast. 
Also, check us out at myprosperteam.com. Thanks. We will see you next week.